It's great to see you. Thanks for being with us this weekend. Uh, before I get into the message, I want to share something with you. We've been talking for the last year about uh, Bay China and what we have going on there. I want to introduce you to uh, one of our team players. Let me officially introduce you to our representative in China. I know that you have uh, seen Jim's face and you know that uh, last summer we were there and, and had the opportunity to meet and see and, and, and encounter the skate park. But some things have changed uh, in the last year and we're really excited about it. And I, I want Jim to kind of bring you up to date on what's going on with Bay China. Yeah, well, it's been great just with the skate park. We opened up last year, and already we've had the opportunity to reach out to hundreds of young people in our city of 7 million where we're located. And uh, But we know that for real transformation to take place, the local church is the key to that. And so we started uh, a, a house church about a year ago, and then we've been meeting in a home setting, and uh, we're seeing young people come to the Lord, people that have never heard the gospel before, giving their lives to, to Christ and growing in their faith, and now helping us reach other people with the gospel. That's great, and you know, we, our plans have uh, been tweaked while you have been here visiting with us. Tell us what the, the future of uh, Bay looks like in China. Well, we're really excited about the possibility of moving to a new location where we can reach more people. Uh, right now, we are maxed out at around uh, 30 to 40 people in our home setting that we're in, and um, we want to move into a new location where we can uh, be able to reach more people and really uh, see more people one of the Lord and brought to Christ. So this fall, we're planning on the launch of an official campus there. We have a lot of work to do, uh, a lot of resources that we need to supply. Uh, Jim, what, uh, what can Bay, what can people do uh, for you and for your team uh, between now and then? What, how do we need to be involved? Well, man, we need you guys to pray for us. Um, you know, there's uh, definitely a spiritual battle going on uh, for the souls of our city, and uh, we know that battle's run through prayer. And um, also just through um, the support that you guys are giving already, um, you're enabling us to reach people with a gospel that might not have a chance otherwise to hear. And um, by sending teams over, bringing people over to help with concerts or English camps or Bible training, uh, that's really helping us meet a need, being able to see the church mature, see people grow in their faith and grow in their witness. You know, church, I really never fathomed until a year ago that Bay could be so active with a campus in a communist country. And it is just really overwhelming the responsibility of that that the Lord has put on us. I'm really excited and I do want us to be partners in prayer with Jim and his family and his team. I want us to be partners financially and uh, I want us to see uh, and hear, and, and we do, we see and hear reports monthly of coming to Christ, being baptized, and, and, and learning God's Word, and I want to be part of that, and I'm, I'm really excited that we can uh, officially say that Jim is part of our team, and uh, we're glad to have him and his family as part of Bay. Thank you. It's been exciting to see, uh, even in a house church, we've had to have multiple services, so 
that was really good. And now to see that we're really going to launch out and find a facility to rent and expand, and that hopefully is launch is going to take place in September and so we want you to continue to pray for this you have been so faithful in your giving and we've been able to support this uh, this effort and we're just really excited about what God's going to do there and uh, it, we'll, we'll give you more and and, and understand we're, we're have, we have to be careful with a lot of things when we talk about this part of the world so uh, if you want more information you can talk to us we'll be glad to share it with you uh, if you have your Bibles uh, on a device or, or in paper, however you want to do this, uh, Deuteronomy 7 and Genesis 3. We're in the second part of a series entitled Giant Killers. Uh, let me tell you where we are. <clears throat> uh, if you missed last week, you can go online and watch it. Children of Israel have been set free from Egypt, slavery, 430 years. They've traveled through, now they're at the border of the Promised Land. The Promised Land is the land God promised these people who had been enslaved. Here they are. Moses says, I'm going to send in 12 spies. I don't want you to come back with the report. Here's the report. One is the land, a land that truly flows with milk and honey. Is it health and prosperity? Two, do the people there live in tents or they live in walled cities? Are they established or are they just vagabonds traveling around? Three, I want you to look for the harvest. See what kind of harvest the ground produces. And if you find any fruit, I want you to bring it back and show us. And of course, we went through that story last week. And uh, the ten spies came back with a negative report. Two guys that we know, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a report that we are able to take the land. Because of the unbelief, the people picked up on the ten negative reports, and they didn't take the land. Forty-five years later, Joshua and Caleb go in with their children and the negative We Be Not Able group's children. If you don't know what that means, that sounds terrible. Go listen to the little message last week. I've said that already, didn't I? But uh, go back and, and listen to that. You'll see they took this generation's children in. The promised land today is for God's children. There are still giants in the land. They're not there in the natural. They're there in the spiritual. We're looking at types of foreshadowing in the Old Testament to the New Testament. So we have to realize that there are things that are in our promises, and those things that are there, we can't get them out of the way through our own strength. Um, <coughs> there will be obstacles in your promises that God has. And we are encouraged by Caleb to go in and take the promises, but we have to destroy the obstacles. Now, let, let me say this before I get going. And I'm going to have to drink a lot of water, so just hang in there. Of course, it may help because I know me probably better than you know me. And I know that sometimes I'm long. That's so nice. Nobody said amen <laughs> except Mobile. I think somebody in Mobile said it. Uh, secondly, um, I, I know I put a, a lot of stuff and I, and I jam it. So you know, I, I, I struggle with that. I look at it. But here's what it just, the revelation came. If I say too much and too fast, I mean, I've got 18 scripture texts in this one message. That's okay. We put the Bible in the message, right? Okay. You can go online tomorrow and watch it over and over and over and over. So the pressure's off for you to catch everything. Okay, it's better the second time. And all of us do this. In the message, you'll think, man, my husband, my spouse, my sister, my mother, somebody needs to hear this. Guess what? They can go online tomorrow and watch it over and over again. Okay? So see, I, all the pressure's just off of me now. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 7 and 1. Okay? 
because here, here's, what's, here, here's what may happen, okay? And not, not meaningful, but th- this, I, 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 sometimes I may lose you. Sometimes I may, it, this may be a little complicated in the beginning. You may pick up pieces of it, but you can go back and, and watch it, and it'll all fit together, I promise you. So I'm going to start in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, verse 2, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them, utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them. So here are uh, seven tribes and here are, are, are nations and we're going to go through these people groups. We're going to see their characteristics, their nature. We're going to see all these things and how that relates to us today. Now, in the flesh, th- these people are not here today. In the flesh, actually, in the Old Testament, they're not all giants. You know, we think giant, the Goliath, the nine foot, 13 foot. There is one guy, 13. We're going to talk about him in this. But they all represent a foreshadowing of a type of a giant spirit that's in our land today. It's, it's here today. And, and you know, you, you, what, what you may see here is that they're operating in your life. But we can overcome, and, and they may not affect you right now, and maybe, but you need to identify them because somewhere in your life, they will affect you. They, they will. They will affect you. In this first verse, God tells the nation of Israel, they're greater and mightier than you. Well, if they're greater and mightier than us, then how in the world are we going to defeat them? Well, in verse 2, I'll read it again. Here's what the, the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, and you shall conquer them, utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, show no mercy to them. In other words, no relationship, no peace, no friendship. Don't come in with excuses and and don't cope with them. Don't live with them. Don't put up with them. You'll see one group that comes in and they're in disguise and they actually get in covenant with them. And God has to reverse some things and turn some things around with this certain people group. But Caleb and Joshua, here's what they did. We talked about it last weekend. They stuck with the word of the Lord. And what they had was what the word of the Lord came from Moses. They stuck with that. They had a clear perspective of the word. Here's the second part of that. This is what I want to talk about this weekend. You need a clear perspective of the authority in which you stand. If you are a believer, you stand in authority. But here's why I really am going to spend a lot of time and lay this in real strong. Because if you don't get this part and we start going in next week to start revealing the characteristics, you will not be able to defeat if you don't understand the authority that you stand in. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 4, But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One side of that, this is what it means. Any believer in Christ can overcome the enemy, the accusations, insinuations, the lies, the disease, guilt, anything he tries to put on you, you can overcome it. Well, how do we overcome it? The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcame him, the enemy, the giant, the spirit, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Last weekend, we talked about Joshua and Caleb. They overcome by the word of their testimony. They heard what God said through Moses, that that's your land. They hid it in their hearts, and that's what was driving them. Well, this weekend, we're going to talk about the other aspect of that, and that's the blood of the lamb. Now, 
God says the giants are greater and bigger than you, and they'll defeat you. You can defeat them, but not in yourself. So how are we going to do that? Well, God established a blood covenant and the spoken promises of his word. So before we begin to expose characters of giants, it's important that if any of them are attached in your life, understand you overcome them by the word of your testimony. What God has spoken his word into your life, and you're standing on that, and by pleading the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the word blood, Leviticus 17 and 11. A lot of people don't understand this, so I want to help us understand it. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of your body is in the blood. If you bleed out, you're going to die, okay? It's in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement. What's God doing? Adam and Eve have sinned. He said, listen, we're going to use blood to make atonements for your souls, for it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Adam and Eve sin. Blood's required to make atonement for their sin in their earth suit. So God required in the Old Testament, remember this is a foreshadowing of the old. We'll get to the new in a minute. In the Old Testament, there's a foreshadowing of taking an innocent animal and using the blood of that animal as a sacrifice. In fact, God did the first one. If you look in Genesis, where it says that he, that, that, you know, he found Adam and Eve after they sinned, and they're in the fig leaves, and he, and, he, and he puts them in animal skin, there's an animal, and there's a sacrifice there that's made. That's the first foreshadowing of the substitutionary atonement, and that points toward the necessity of judgment upon the innocent to provide a covering for the guilty. In other words, Adam and Eve attempted to cover themselves. They're guilty, they sinned. What did they do? They sewed fig leaves together. Under the new covenant, because of Jesus, we're required to be clothed with Christ and not our good works. The, the, the sewing together is we're trying to cover it up. We, we've messed it. We're trying to fix it. We can't fix it. Only Christ can. Only blood was acceptable for the cleansing of sin. The animal blood was simply a substitute, Old Testament, to point people toward the Redeemer of the world, Jesus, in the New Testament. Hebrews 9.22, in the New Testament, listen to what it says. According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. God has offered us a new covenant through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the Lamb of God. He's the Son of God. He has fulfilled that for our salvation. We need to understand that we can plead the blood of Jesus for forgiveness and victory in our lives. So listen to what Paul said about our bodies in the natural and in the spiritual. 1 Corinthians 15, 44, it's on the screen. It is sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam is Jesus. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural's first and after the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as it is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of man of dust, we also bear the image of the heavenly man. In other words, if we're born again, we bear the image of Jesus Christ. If not, we bear the, man, the image of the natural man. So here's what he's saying. <clears throat> God has two sons. Right here, we just looked at it. He has a natural son. And then there's a spiritual son. Adam's the first man. The natural's first. Jesus is the second. He's the spiritual. The natural first, the spiritual. So we're going to look at this story in Genesis 3 and 4 
we're going to look at it through a prophetic layer. The Bible has three layers. It has more than that, but I mean, there's three layers that we look at it. You, you have this first layer. It's what you see with your eyes, understand with your mind. It's the surface. It's the history. It's, it's, the, it's the information you put in. The second layer is what we call the rhema layer. That means that part of the word actually comes alive and speaks to you specifically, and you take it, and you hold on to it, and you put it in heart, just like Caleb did. The third part of the layer of this word that we understand, we can see, is called a prophetic layer. There is a prophetic layer. So what we're looking at, that means something in the future. So what we're going to look at in Genesis 3 is something that's going to happen in the future. Well, what is it? Well, it's the new covenant. So we're going to look at it in Genesis 3, verse 17. Then to Adam, God said, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Watch what God says. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You're going to work, you're going to plow, there's going to be thorns and thistles. You're going to eat of that field, and you're going to eat the bread until you return to the ground. You're going to do this all the days of your life till you die, and your body goes back to the dust of the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Cursed is the ground. In other words, the dirt is cursed because of Adam's sin. The dirt is cursed. Now, only in the body, not, not only in the body, but the ground. So every generation since has been born into the curse. We were born into the curse. We're born into sin. And, and yes, we're covered by the age of accountability, the innocence and the babies. But once we get out of that, we're responsible for our right choices. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, bore Cain, and she said, I've required a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time it's Abel, and now Abel was a keeper of sheep, Cain was a tiller of the ground. The first two boys born into the curse. They had no choice, just like we had no choice. Those two boys, the first, Adam and Eve are created. These two are born into the curse. And, and the first one born, Cain, represents the natural. What did the scripture say? The natural verse. The second one, Abel, represents the spiritual. Verse 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4, Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Two men born into sin. The only thing that can remove the sin is the blood of an innocent animal. It can be a lamb. There are other animals, but we're just going to use the term lamb. So it has to be the innocent blood of an animal. So Cain, the natural man, he refuses to kill a lamb, to kill an innocent animal. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring you my vegetables, okay? I, I work out of the ground. I'm going to bring you vegetables and fruit. Abel, he's the spiritual man. He kills a lamb. He offers it to God. What is that? That's an act of worship. So here's what you have. The natural man doesn't want to do what God said. He, want, he, wants, to, he wants to argue. The spiritual man, it's an act of worship. God said, do this. I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to offer it. He worships God. So God said, Cain, listen, if you don't apply the blood if you don't do this, then what I want you to know is that there is a giant, there is a spirit, there is an enemy who is standing at the door of your life. It's an open window. And in the end, it'll destroy you. The natural man, Cain, he's a man of the field. He's a farmer. He's an earthly man. He tills the ground for his food, and he brings his food. He, doesn't, he won't shed the blood. He brings his food. He says, Lord, just take my vegetables and fruit. And God said, Cain, th there's no other way. I have set it up that the atonement is for the blood. God said, 
Cain, give me a lamb's blood. There's no other way to accept your sacrifice. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why does your countenance fallen? If you do well, if, if you'll just make the right sacrifice, if you'll just do this, you, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin, the spirit, the enemy, lies at the door and it's desires for you, but you shall never, but you should rule over it. If you don't have the blood, something is waiting for you at the door of your life. Without the blood, you can't handle the enemy. You can't handle the accusations. You can't handle the temptations. Unless a lamb dies, when you get to the door, you're on your own. If you don't rule it, it will rule you. Without the blood, you are no match for sin. You're no match for Satan. You're no match for the giants. You're no match for any of these things. If you kill the lamb and apply the blood, when you get to the door, Cain, you'll be victorious. You'll overcome. Verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Watch this. Cain, the natural man, is talking to Abel, the spiritual man. But it's not enough. What happened? And it came to pass they were in the field, and Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. In other words, it's not enough for the natural man just to talk to a spiritual man. The natural man needs to talk to God. It's not enough just to talk to somebody that's good and living a right life. He needed to talk to God. And, and, and you see, here's what happened. It really, it, he wouldn't offer a lamb, but he killed his own brother. So here's what happened. Cain, it really wasn't Cain to kill the brother. It was the spirit that laid at the door. It was the giant that came in and took, took, took control. And he, it's that spirit within him that killed the brother. You see, without the blood of the lamb, the enemy can just about control everything in your life. How does he control it? He controls, because you're natural and the dirt is cursed, he controls your thoughts. And what you think, you dwell on it and then you speak it. He controls what you see. So when you see it, you look at it. You don't turn your head. He controls how you respond. You do things and say things you didn't think you would ever do and say. Without the blood of the lamb, you are defenseless. And there is a giant constantly at your door. So Satan's plan, watch, this is Satan's plan, is for the natural man to kill the spiritual man. Why? What's, what's that have to do with anything? Because if that happens, then it's okay for Satan and his spirits and giants to take over. See, because of Christ, he doesn't have the dominion anymore. He wants the dominion. But if he, if he can kill every spiritual man so that man lives in the natural, he's going to control everything. As long as the spiritual man is alive and in the house, then the house will be okay. As long as the blood is applied and there's life, the man will be okay. The enemy wants to destroy the entire spiritual man's activities. You, you know, the natural man looks at spiritual things foolish. Some of you hear and you hear things spiritually and God's tugging at your heart, but you don't really understand it because you're looking at it through natural eyes. What did Cain do? What's, just take my vegetables and my fruit, God. I worked hard in this. I mean, what, what? He's not looking at the spiritual Abel was looking at the spiritual. You understand that the spiritual things are foolish to the natural man, and the giants are after the spiritual man. The giants want you to stay in the natural, not look at the spiritual. Verse 10, and then he said, What have you done, Cain? The voice, watch, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The ground's cursed. The dirt's cursed. But now the blood that hit the ground from your brother is crying out to me. You, you killed your brother, but when the blood fell on the ground, remember, life is in the blood. 
Life is in the, without, without the blood, there's no life. Life is in the blood. So listen, when the blood fell out on the ground, when the blood of Abel hit the dirt, it fell on the cursed dirt and the curse started living and the curse has a voice. God said, I heard it. The cursed ground has a voice now and God says, I heard it. Fast forward to the 21st century. Every generation has a voice. Cain had no, he is so natural, he has no idea what happened in the spiritual. The enemy of the natural man had no idea what just happened. The, the, the enemy himself, Satan, he had no idea what just happened here. He, he, he's working in a natural realm. He does not understand what happens. Fast forward to the New Testament. You have Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The same enemy, Satan himself, made a mistake that day also. What did he do? He got these people to nail Jesus to a cross and lifted him up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The enemy killed his body, but we have abundant life. Why do we have abundant life? Because his blood would flow out of his body and it would hit the cursed ground, and it's alive, and it speaks. And what it speaks is, the life in my blood will give you victory now. The life in my blood will set your dirt free. In the New Testament, the body is now the temple. It houses life. If you are a believer, now I'm not talking natural blood, I'm talking spiritual. If you are a believer, you have life. If you have life, it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you kill the spiritual body, how do you kill the spiritual body? You offer your life unto the Lord. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your boss. You surrender everything to him. You're not trying to be natural and trying to be spiritual on Sunday. You're completely saying, Lord, I want to be spiritual. Watch. When, when you do that, when you receive Christ and the blood of the Lamb is applied, you receive life. The blood of Jesus on, on, that, on that day falls on the ground. The ground cries out to God. When the blood of the Lamb falls on this body, this earth suit that is cursed, when it falls on it, this ground, the blood of the lamb cries out to God the Father. And guess what happens? I'm free. I'm free dirt. I, I'm, I'm not under the curse anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm free dirt. When the blood falls on my body, on my dirt suit, when I ask him in, wherever it comes, it's set free. So what did Jesus say? John 12, 24, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So watch. See, that, that's why you got to go back and watch this again, because I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm tracking too fast. I know. If you want to produce what's in me, see, I'm created for a purpose. You're created for a purpose. There's a destiny. There's something. in. If you want to produce what's in me, God's destiny, then spill the blood of the lamb on me, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's called the atonement. Listen, the atonement is what buys me back. The atonement is what redeems me. What do we think? We just think, well, I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. No, 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 no. You got to see this, that the atonement is what allows me to be bought back. And then forgiveness is so easy. Why? Because of the blood of the lamb, I'm bought back. I'm brought out of slavery. And it's so simple to ask for forgiveness. Then you can put me in the ground. What ground? The promised land ground. You can put me in the ground. My life is not about me. My life is about him. I'm spiritually in tune with him, and now everything he's promised I can walk out in. All mankind can be free because the blood spilled on the ground of my life. When the blood fell, the cursed thing spoke. The ground had a voice. 
The ground had a future. We're free dirt. We have promises from God. We're, we're not condemned. Verse 10, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, God's selling Cain, which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Watch verse 12, all, all natural men. Look at this. This is where we miss it. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. The natural man, you have to understand verse 12. Before the blood, you have no choice. You're controlled by the natural man, this natural earth suit, and it's cursed because of sin. We're all born into it. So if the natural man plants something, guess what's coming up? Thorns and thistles and briars and, 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 and temptations. If it's in my head, it comes out my mouth. If, if it's in my eye, before my eyes, I look at it. If it's in my mind, I'm thinking on it. I have no choice. People who are frustrated with this with, within themselves, you have no choice. Why? The natural man, Cain, is in control. He's the tiller of the ground. He's, he, the curse controls him. But if I have changed, if I have repented, here's what the word repented means in the Greek. It's the word metanoio. Here's what it means. It means to change the way I think. I don't want to think like the natural man anymore. I want to think like a spiritual man. I can't have one foot in, one foot out. I have to, but how, how am I going to change? I asked Jesus to come into my life and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the ground, the heart, and lift off the curse. I, I was the ground, but the blood fell on me and the blood set me free. I'm free. I have life. Where did the life come from? Spiritual shadowing comes from the life it comes from the blood of God from the blood of God now I have promises and those promises are for me to live in and now I can live in those promises and defeat the giants that are there illegally are y'all breathing okay verse 14 surely you've driven me out this day this is Cain talking back to God from the face of the ground, I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Listen, when Cain killed Abel, here's what Satan thought. He thought, I'm the prince of the land now. But that verse just says, because of the blood, you're a vagabond. Satan thought, I'm the lord of the land, but because of the blood, he's a fugitive. Here's what I want you to hear. Giants are living on borrowed time, and they are fugitives in our promises. So quit treating giants like a legal owner in your promised land. You need to say, if you're born again, I plead the blood of Jesus over this giant that's attacking my marriage, my finances, my health, my, my relationships. I plead the blood of Jesus. Why? Because if you have had the blood applied, you have, this ground has a voice, and this voice needs to plead the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. The word plead in this text is a legal term. And, and listen, it, I have a legal right to the blood now. I'm not begging. I'm not pleading. I'm not making a deal with God. I'm not trying to sow my own fig leaves. I, but now my defense is the blood of the Lamb. And here's what I've learned. I have learned that times when I am guilty, I really have nothing, you know, I, I, what, what do I say? I'm guilty. And, but when I stand before the judge 
and Satan there is there, and he's accusing me, and Taylor said this, and Taylor did that, and Taylor did this, and the judge looks at me and says, is that true? And I answer yes. When the judge raises the gavel to, to pronounce the sentence, what I say is, but I plead the blood. It's a legal term. This is my defense. Here's why you need to know that. Because Satan is a legalist to the maximum degree. But the only argument that I have to shut down a legalist is the blood of Jesus Christ. So when I speak the blood of Jesus, it shuts him down. It puts him in his place. It aligns him. That is my only defense is to say the blood of Jesus. And, and you understand there are people who are legalists. There are people who are caught up in legalism. Satan is the legalist to the maximum degree. So if you're operating in that, then you're a legalist to the maximum degree. The only argument that you have against people like that is the blood of the Lamb of God. It's because of the blood that I have the atonement. I have been saved. I have been redeemed. I've been set apart. And then, yes, I can ask forgiveness of my sins. But because of that, I have a defense system. I'm not just hoping I, I, I'm doing this right. I'm not just hoping I get it all right. I'm not hoping I make the right deal and the right this and the right that. I'm not hoping that I just, you know, no, no. I'm trusting in completely in Jesus and his authority. That's the clear perspective of authority we stand in. So the giants in our lives are not there legally, but I have to use the authority of the blood of the lamb. What did God say? I started off with this verse, Deuteronomy 7.2. When the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them. God said, yeah, they're greater and mightier in the natural. They're going to whip you. But you defeat them in the spiritual. Not in yourself, but in the blood of the Lamb and the spoken promises of God's word. You defeat them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So here's what you need to do. Now, now listen, if, if, if you don't get this, you can go watch it again, right? Yes. So if you don't, it's okay. But if you get this, next time I go by your house, I want to see this on your front door. You need to get a sign, put it on your front door, probably your back door too. And it says, beware. We plead the blood in this house. Right. We plead the blood in this house. You have to understand, here's what we do as believers. We spend more time giving the enemy more credit and more dues that he doesn't deserve. How many times do we say, yeah, the devil did this and the devil's throwing out that and this and that and the other? How many times? We say it all the time. Why can't we turn that around and plead the blood and go around saying, you know what? Jesus is doing this and Jesus is shutting that down and Jesus is protecting me and Jesus is going to fix this. Why can't we reverse that? When we do, we're taking the word of the testimony and we're speaking it combined with the blood of the lamb. And let me tell you what happens. The enemy tucks tail and runs. See, I'm so working on trying to slow down and not get excited. But you see, the blood has been applied to this dirt suit. And this dirt suit is free. And your spirit, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, you live in a body. Your spirit is going to live one or two places for eternity. And I know that I have the promise of that. And I know that this dirt suit has been set free. So plant me in the promises that God has for me and for my house. 
I'm so out of time. Let, let me close with this. The human dirt suit has five quarts of blood pumped by the heart, circulates through the whole system. Remember, life is in the blood, and it has to keep moving at all times. The blood consists of plasma, which is transparent. It has several entities, platelets, red and white blood cells. The blood carries oxygen. This is how life is transported to individual cells. And every 23 seconds, the heart pumps blood to every cell and nourishes it. The blood nourishes your body and also picks up waste materials that can cause poison in our body. So the blood in the natural nourishes and cleanses our system. Listen to me. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. The blood of Jesus works all the time, cleansing me from my sin. And the blood of Jesus gives me a voice to energize, to protect, to cover me so that I am more than a conqueror, so I can grow up and grow in the promises God has for me. That's how powerful the blood is. But here's what we do. And if you've never done this, I want to meet you because the only one I know that has never done this is Jesus. So maybe he's here today. I don't know. But have you ever compromised? Have you ever slipped up? Have you ever foolishly opened a door? And here comes that giant again. Here comes that spirit again. Well, here's, here's what God's teaching us in this message. He's teaching us how to close the door, but also how to seal the door. You know how to seal the door? You plead the blood of Jesus. Life is a, is a spiritual substance. The life of Jesus, the spiritual life we have is a spiritual substance, but it has to have a physical carrier. The blood of Jesus carries the life of God. Abel's voice, Abel's blood had a voice. Jesus' blood had a voice. Guess what Jesus' blood's voice, guess what it cries out? Mercy, mercy, mercy. It's love and grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You, you, your best works won't work. I don't care how many fig leaves you put together. You have to accept it and receive it. How do I do that? I boldly come to the throne of mercy for my failures and my sins. I walk out in authority that Jesus has clothed me in, and now I can kill giants not by my energy, but by his word and by the power of the Lamb of God. And I take the giants out of my life. Maybe, you, maybe you've lived with them so long you're, just gonna, you're comfortable with them. I, I don't want them there anymore. So here, here, here's my clothes. I'm done. Watch this. You ready? Are y'all breathing? Okay, Mobile? Mobile's still alive. Watch. Fast back to last week. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb. They're different. They have a different spirit. And, 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 and you see, they say, oh, that's no problem. Let's go take the land. Why did they say that? Two reasons. One, God is with us. And two, the, cover, the, the, the enemy, the prey, the giants, God's taking their covering off of them. They're completely exposed. How did they see that? Here's how they saw it. The difference in these two men compared to the other ten is that they compared the giants to their God. So they had a big God and little giants. When you see God big by the word of your testimony and the blood of the lamb, your God is big and the giants and the evil spirits and everything the enemy puts at you, it is so small in comparison to your God. But if you elevate the enemy and you elevate all his schemes and trickery, then you're elevating him big and you just hope God's out there somewhere and, and you say the right prayer and he'll show up sometime. No, that's backwards. And that's how the natural, that's why the enemy attacks us like he does. He wants us to think in the natural. Don't think in the natural. You are a spirit being. If you're born again, you're 
your spirit's alive. If you're not born again, your spirit is dormant. But if you'll accept Jesus and apply the blood of the lamb, your spirit comes alive and you start seeing things in the spiritual realm. So when the enemy comes, you are not ignorant of his devices, but you conquer and defeat him utterly so you can walk into your promises. I said all that to say this. Jesus is really the giant killer. He is the blood of the lamb. But he wants us to act like him. We're to act like Jesus. So if Jesus is the ultimate giant killer, and when I grow up, I want to be like Jesus, then guess what? I'm going to kill giants too. Not my own strength, not my own wisdom, not my natural, but my spiritual. And I'm telling you, when my spiritual is connected to the word of God, and my spiritual is connected to the blood of the lamb, I stand in authority that the demons in hell tremble at because it is the lamb of God that they see. They don't see me, they see the blood and they will tuck their tail and run because of the blood of the lamb. Can I get anybody to say, uh-huh? Will you stand? I'm gonna flip it around, watch. Watch, I've closed three times already, so I'm gonna close one more time. You have to have four to even get cl close to closing. I'm going to flip it around. If you're listening to me, Mobile, online, Malvis, if you're listening to me, and you realize, and you realize that you're being tormented by giants, and you're getting whipped, and you're being, listen, maybe you've never applied the blood of the lamb. Maybe you recited some prayer up here in your head, a rote prayer, and you never applied and let him come in and let him be Lord of your life and let him take control and, and, and receive everything that he has. And if that's you, we'll have people here. We want to pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you can't make it without him. He will wear you out. The, the natural man and the toil of the land, the wear and the tear. and the, you, you think about how hard you work and what you do and how frustrating. The only way we overcome that is through the word of God and through the blood of the lamb. That's how we stay refreshed. That's how we stay connected. So if you're out there and you're frazzled and the enemy's just taking you out for lunch and destroying you and working on you and you're tired of that, I'm telling you, if you'll come, we'll pray with you because I'm telling you, Jesus does not want you to be that way. He wants you to kill the giants. You good? Everybody breathe. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for authority. And thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can be victorious. Even while we live on this earth, we can be more than conquerors because of the word of our testimony and because of the blood of the lamb. We thank you for it, Lord. And the church said, amen. God bless you.